0: Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast. The Boots on the Ground Podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the bootcamp. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode. As this episode comes out, I am entering kind of a new stage of life, Bob. I now have two teenage sons. My oldest is 15. My middle child, my son, just made 13 not long ago. And this week, as this releases, my youngest, Magnolia, has made 11, officially making her a preteen. And and so now I'm in the two-teenager preteen stage of life in my house And I just got to ask you, Bob, because you're so old that you're a grandpa. (laughs) And so, so what, what wisdom can you share with a young, young buck like myself about raising teenagers and preteens?
1: Make sure everybody has deodorant, (laughs) always have groceries in the house Yep. and car insurance will suck you dry uh, financially. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and then I would say this, Jimbo, man, they're going to, they're going to make some, some choices that are going to be challenging and don't make a big deal about it. Right. Just, I mean, I'm not saying overlook it, but you know, put your arm around them and go, Hey, that was a, that was a choice right there. Let's talk about that (laughs) and just see what they have to say. Like keep the information flowing and you're going to, you're going to learn that what's biologically true is that teenagers have an immature brain that is not fully formed until the boys till about 24, 25. That's why insurance rates go down then. And then the girls, maybe about 23-ish. So, you know, hang on, pray, put your arm around them, love them and see if, see if you can laugh a lot. But you're, you're a good dad. You, I think you got that figured out.
0: Man, I appreciate that. Look, that deodorant thing is real. My boys share a room, and man, I'll step into that room, and it's like the worst smell I've ever smelled in my entire life. And the only way I know to describe it is it just smells like teenage boys. Yes. (laughs) It's rough, man. Hey, at the boot camp, we've entered a new stage of life as well. We are rolling and going with the blogs. And so, hey, boot camp listeners, you probably are listening on some sort of podcast app that you listen to podcasts on, and so you may never even go to our website. If you have not been to our website recently, we want to encourage you go to the website. One, we have a fancy new search bar that we told you about several weeks back. You can search the whole website and find all sorts of fun things. But we also have a blog. So every Monday, a blog article will go out that will be based on an older episode that we have done before. And then on Wednesday, Our beautiful, wonderful podcast comes out to you, published early in the morning. And then on Friday, we'll have a blog post based on that week's podcast episode. And here's another new thing in our stage of life, man. We're like growing up, we're maturing as a podcast in our resource providingness. If you want to make sure, if you don't want to have to go search into the website, we have a newsletter. Some of you have signed up for the newsletter. And you've probably wondered why do you not send me anything on the newsletter anymore? Cuz I quit doing it like 2 years ago. But it's still there and one of our volunteers is going to start on Saturdays releasing a newsletter that will have links to that week's blog post and podcast episode and all sorts of things so you can go
1: to our website and sign up for that newsletter. Jimbo, I something must have happened like I don't I don't even remember or didn't even know that we had a newsletter. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the senior adult church member that comes to you and go, "Well, I didn't know anything about that." And you go, well, "It's It's been in the bulletin for weeks, right?" <laughs> so, my apologies for being that person. Glaring on our website for a while has been sign up for our newsletter,
0: and you can sign up there. And uh, I think we have like 35 newsletter subscribers, and. <laughs> I, uh, early on, I would, I would send out a newsletter when we released the podcast and I just quit doing it and I, I was getting read too. It was getting opened, but I just quit doing it. But me and the Lord has provided us with some great volunteers. And so the bootcamp team is growing. You can see bios on them on our website and we'll be. Putting some more stuff about them out on the social media as well, so you can get to know them. But man, just this stage of life, and so that that's a great transition into today. We want to start a mini series on the stages of replanting. And some recent episodes, we've talked about revitalization window and the difference between revitalization and replanting. One of the first blog posts that we put out was based on episode one on the difference between revitalization and replanting. It's written by Caleb Duncan, and so as we go into that. One of the conversations is about planting versus replanting. So, talk to us, Bob. What's the difference between planting and replanting?
1: Yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of metaphors in scripture family, building, farming. And so, when I was writing for our replant blog, churchreplanters.com, that got launched, you know, in 2015, one of the things that was important for us is we were trying to think, how do we describe replanting and so you compare it to planting planting is a lot like construction you're building something brand new from the ground up right replanting is a little more like farming in the sense that i mean you could say it's like remodeling but i think the agricultural metaphor makes a little bit more sense in terms of discussing replanting particularly for this reason when you are replanting a declining church The ground is hard and what i mean by that and you think about jesus and the metaphor of the sower and the seed the ground is some of the ground that that the seed gets sown onto is hard and so sometimes when you go into a declining church you're dealing with spiritual conditions that are evidence of hard-heartedness right or maybe just lack of tending the soil and taking care of it and so in thinking about replanting in those early days i often talked uh, about it in the farming kind of metaphor so most of farmers I've met, Jimbo, I'm, I'm kind of a type A personality, like a high D.I. When I think about farming, I think about quiet and boredom. Right? I'm, just, I'm out there in my boots and my flannel shirt, and I'm sitting on a tractor, and I'm looking at dirt, right? And so for some of our A types, they may like think, man, that's a tough metaphor, but I don't know. Have you ever farmed a Jimbo? Have you done any agricultural kinds of things? Because you've had a lot of jobs.
0: So you're going to think I'm making this up, but <laughs> one of my first jobs ever at like 12 years old was cutting grass at an ostrich farm. In... <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. It was on Big Bird Lane in Summerall, Mississippi. You can look it up. Uh, it's an actual street named Big Bird Lane where they farmed uh, ostriches and emus. And uh I would help harvest the eggs and I would uh cut grass.
1: Yeah. Well, that's kind of an agricultural hand, a little more than farming, but uh it I think we'll allow it. <laughs> but Jimbo, but one time I was about to turn sixteen and my dad knocks on my door on a Saturday morning because I was kinda, you know, full of myself at fifteen and just laying around and was kind of entitled. And he goes, Hey, um, I got a job for you and I'm like, really? Yeah, he goes, Yeah, I called the guy and um He's got a farm. He said, you could come out and do some work for him. So I'm thinking, great. Right. So my dad illegally gave me the keys to his car and I drove up to the farm, not having an official license yet. And so it was a strawberry farm. And on just a cool Saturday morning, and I was thinking on my way up there, great, I'll get to, maybe I'll get to drive a tractor. Maybe I'll get to, you know, load some things, that that sort of thing. Jimbo, he handed me a, a strawberry flat and pointed me towards the field. And I joined like a bunch of other people crawling on my knees, picking strawberries on a Saturday morning. It was the worst experience, but it was the best thing my dad could have done for me at that age. So, yeah. How did you measure up to the other strawberry farmers? Where you? It was really up? horrible. I was awful. <laughs> 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 the first flat that I brought back to the guy goes, yeah, you're going to need to fill this to kind of overflowing, right? So, Jeez. <laughs> <it's, laughs> Anyway, back to the story. Let's get to some scripture because I think we need to redeem this moment. Yeah, right. So a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says this. Paul's writing. He says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants to whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. And then here's the agricultural metaphor. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. Right? So this this really, when I was starting out in replanting, this helped me understand the work of replanting, right? So I built kind of a framework to understand the seasons and stages, right? Like we think about, what am I going to do when I come into a replant? Well, Jimbo, you know, one of the first things we think is, I got to change the music, right? Mm. Or I got to get rid of this red carpet. Or for you, I've got to saw, chainsaw this 100 foot <laughs> pew in half, right? <laughs> Throwback, episode three. Yes. Yeah, so we, we, we think we've got to do all those things, but, but really, those are surface things, Jimbo. And so I think there's some unique stages in replant that really have to be forefront. And you can do some of the things that we talked about and laughed about, but you really got to focus in on the primary things that you need to do in a replant. And so I think this verse helps inform that.
0: That's a I love that verse and I love the way you're thinking about it. So if you were to lay out what the stages of a replant would be, is it don't make it smell like old people. Stage one. <laughs> Chainsaw the pew and half. Stage two. Fill up construction dumpsters with clutter. Stage three. And
1: look for a new job. Stage four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would say throw, throw back to another old episode. Figure out how to get a quorum to buy a vacuum cleaner. Stage four. Yeah. Yeah. And then stage five, get fired and find yeah. a new job.
1: Well, those would be good, good guesses, but according to <laughs> the framework that we're trying to build here is, is I think it boils down to, uh, to four things. One is plowing, next is planting, followed by watering, and then growing. So let me describe these real quick, and I think we're going to take each episode and kind of dig into one a little bit more, but here's the general thing. So plowing is really the work of God in preparing the ground through preaching of the gospel, with the power and conviction of the holy spirit you've got to plow the ground right and you've got to break that up and and how how does it happen well you don't do it right god does it but god does it through your preaching then you go planting planting is the work of the pastor and leaders to sow the gospel deeply into the softened ground of the church body right so you got to plant the gospel seeds then watering watering is the continual teaching and application of truth from god's word that gives much needed refreshment so that the seed can grow and then lastly. This is the stage we're all trying to get to and we're hoping will happen is the growing stage and that's the fully developed seed of the gospel springs up and is evident in the lives of those inside the church which is really marked by a couple things thinking and living as the evidence of God's work in their lives of the people and then spiritual growth spiritual growth internally in the lives of believers but also in reaching lost people and seeing them come into the the life of the church through through God saving them so I would I would categorize those as signs
0: Okay. So what would be the signs then of plowing? So if plowing, a church has experienced some decline, they're suffering kind of in the institutional, locked in institutional memory, a nostalgia of the, the cul-de-sac of nostalgia uh, and trying to get in. Talk to us about what plowing looks like and what are some of the signs of plowing?
1: Yeah, so we, you mentioned something that's really important. This locked kind of mindset. Churches really get fix fixated on, or get fixed in their thinking, and you see that they they sort of repeat the same events that they do every year over and over with really out of with really no evaluation. So the calendar never changes, the programs never change. They're lo- they show a locked mindset that that demonstrates itself by protection of preferred programs and ministries that maybe have really ceased being effective and then another evidence of locked mindset and these are all signs that you're you probably need to do some plowing cutting edge ministry ideas are, are are not really cutting edge the ones that are proposed with the by the church they're like cutting edge maybe you know 20 years ago and yeah it's not that they were bad ideas but they're just not current ideas and then here's a funny one your church never changes its bulletin boards right have you ever have you ever walked past a bulletin board and it's got something like from 1992 on it? Like, you know, the newsboys are coming in concert down at the arena and it's still there. <laughs> right. My my
0: favorite was our, like the, the sign out in the front of the church, like with the mm-hmm. letters on it. Yeah. Like if you see those, this isn't out of date. But the first time I saw the sign of the church that I replanted or was part of replanting, I guess they just thought, let's put up a scripture verse and they put up like a random proverb about disciplining your children. <laughs> 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 so I had to be like, all right, let's never put that one on oh, on this roadside again. But the when I walked in, the church had two huge bulletin boards. I mean massive, massive bulletin boards in there there were so much information on there, like you couldn't even make sense of it, but most of it was like 15 years
1: old. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. And that's, that shows you you're at a church that needs to be at minimum revitalized and probably replanted. You got some work to do. So, but most of what we're trying to get at is this is spiritual stuff, right? This is dimensional stuff. So a church that has a locked mindset or, or, or is you know, been in decline for a long time, they think to reach the community means, man, we just got to do whatever it takes just to get as many people to come to the church as possible, right? So let's just, let's get them here. Or making more disciples, well, let's just, let's get everybody to go to the Sunday school classes, right? And start up the Sunday school classes. And Sunday school classes aren't bad, but but those folks have been in them for a long time. And, and a lot of times what it, what it is, is it's really good fellowship and good encouragement and good pastoral care, but it, it's not life transformational teaching. And so you've got to think about how do we how do we make more disciples? And then creating fellowship in the body, that's a good thing, but in kind of a locked mindset or a mindset that shows that you need to do some plowing work is they just want to let's just continue the fellowships and maybe have more of them, right? To to foster connection and to just get people together and then see what happens out of that. So those are not bad things, Jimbo, but those are things that are um you know, they're easy to repeat. And when we repeat them over and over what happens is, and, and I have these places and that we travel, we, we walk our dog a lot. And so one of the things we'll notice is if people don't walk on the sidewalk and they they take a shortcut in through the park and there's, there's a park near our house, that so many people take a shortcut uh, rather than walking down this sidewalk and then taking a hard right, that there's a really hard path that is developed that spans the gap between those two sections of sidewalk. And so what we're really talking about here is churches develop those hard paths, right? And it could be just, we're just going to do the same thing over and over again, or we're just going to do this thing that we like over and over again. Or we want to reach people, but we're not really doing anything to, to to understand our community. And so a well-worn path is just something that that people— take, it's easy to take. And so if you're going to see new life spring up in those places where we have those well-worn paths, you got to get the plow out and you got to do some things. So I think there there's important work to be done and it's hard work that needs to be yeah. done.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the things you said, man, when a church, when you think this and you think, oh, well, this church believes that to reach the community, they got to get as many people to come to church as possible. That sounds great. And maybe that used to be true in a time where there was like a cultural wind in our sails and people wanted to, there was a cultural benefit to being a part of a church, but it's not really a missionary mindset. And a lot of what you're talking about is re-engaging the missionary mindset because we've shifted in, in, mission drift into kind of things that are comfortable and in that, in that worn trail. And so we've kind of gotten to this rut and this pattern. And so now the soil metaphorically is, has gotten hard. in order for us to really see something happen and grow here, we're going to have to plow the soil a little bit. So what does that look like? What is plowing? I'm assuming plowing the soil does not necessarily
1: include a chainsaw on a pew. Well, it might, (laughs) might. but it looks like a couple of things. The first one is the cessation of the well-worn, right? So you're a cessationist is what you're saying. (laughs) No, no, we're not talking theology here, Jimbo. Charismatic gifts. But the cessation of the well worn. So what is that? That means if there's a favorite program, maybe a service time or a style of music or what you put in the bulletin, it means that plowing, in this case, in this first stage, breaks up what was or what is in order to do something new, right? So it's decreasing the commonality of what you used to do not taking that path anymore. I'm taking a plow of doing, doing something that is just kind of new, right? We're going we're gonna to stop walking on this section and doing the same old thing, this muscle memory kind of thing over and over again. We're going to cease doing that. And then that leads to something that you can do to help break up that ground. And that's the, in, the introduction of a disruptive force, right? So yes, yeah. a plow, if you think about it agriculturally, a plow is a disruptive force. It's something sharp that enters into hard ground and begins to break it up. So a disruptive force in, in a church could be, you know what, we're going to have scripture reading rather than announcements at this, this, this time in the service, right? Yeah. We're going to do a, a time of prayer for our community and other churches in mission. It's, it's introducing those kinds of things. So introducing a disruptive force. The other thing I would say is persistent plotting. You got to do this over and over. The hard places are never softened with just one message, one prayer, or one strategic action. You've got to you've got to do this over and over again. This is backbreaking work, right? So yeah, yeah, y- you just got to do that. And then what I would also this is a little say, bit of that
0: tactical patience piece of. I mean, yeah. this is what we're not talking about. Something that happens overnight. This takes a while.
1: And so that persistent plotting then really is you're not just doing this to just to change things, but you really have a Christ-centered commitment. You're doing this so that the gospel will be proclaimed and people will come to know Jesus and follow it. Like that's really your focus. So you got to be persistent in this and not give up. Now, Jimbo, I will tell you this. I had a lot of give up in me when I was in the strawberry field and I was on my knees and climbing through the strawberries and I was like, I hate this and I never want to do this ever again. <laughs> Some replanters probably feel that way after a Sunday. Yeah, I hate this and I never want to do it again. And so just let me say the plowing stage isn't over in a day. It's probably over in a, a period of of days, months, even possibly years.
0: Yeah, so how I mean if you gave an a guess to how long a plowing stage would last in an average replant. I mean, what would be you think? the average time frame,
1: And I'm thinking probably f- at least three years, maybe five. Yeah. Depends on how long the church has been in decline. Typically the longer the church has been in decline, the longer it takes to, to uh, see new life and new growth come back to it. Yeah.
0: I think one of the things that you say uh, when I've seen you write about this and we'll, we'll put some links, Steven, some blogs you've written and, and there'll be a new blog written by our, our boot camp bloggers on this. But the idea of the introduction of a disruptive force before we, kind of close, I want to hear just a little more on the importance of not doing this alone, that as that disruptive force, like that can't just be you, right? Right. If, If you're alone, man, it's going to end up being you alone at the end of a firing squad. And so talk to us just a little bit before we close on, on how to build people around you and not the importance of not being a disruptive force by yourself.
1: Yeah, if it's just you that is pushing for, you know, new life and change and transformation of the church, it's it's going to be really hard. So I think one of the things is important is to begin to meet with and disciple and train and pray with and strategize with small groups of people from the very beginning. Deacons, church council, people that you're discipling and constantly pour your life into theirs and Think together and pray together and study the scriptures together about what does a healthy, vibrant church look like? And then as you do that over and over, multiple groups, multiple ages and stages in life, multiple groupings of people in terms of, you know, men and women, that sort of thing. What happens is, is the hearts begin to warm to the gospel and they begin to be more excited about what the mission is going to look like uh, or could look like. And they, the, the hard ground is then broken up. Yeah.
0: So if church planting is like construction, you're building the trellis ready for the vine to grow on it, then church replanting is more like farming. And the four stages that the brilliant Bobby B., the Yelp elite, has uh, written out here for us is plowing, planting, watering, and growing. Plowing is the work of God in preparing the ground through the preaching of the gospel with the power and conviction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love this so much because it's just a reminder that this, this really isn't about being the cool, hip church that looks cool on a website. Ultimately, this is about making disciples. And this reemphasizes something we've said a lot and just that really church replanting and revitalization is, is kind of corporate organizational discipleship. Like, you, like there's a realigning of the church as a whole to back to the gospel that has to happen because of mission drift and mission drift. Doesn't make us villains mission drift makes us human and we all do this. So making sure we're not standing there in a position of self-righteousness and Oh, you guys mission drift. I don't know. We all mission drift. Yeah. So this is a, an honest look and assessment at the word of God to change our hearts and till the soil of our hearts so that we can plant the seeds of the gospel back into our hearts for the work of the ministry so that we can make disciples that make disciples that make the community noticeably better. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small check out 180.church o-n-e-e-i-g-h-t-y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward